0: Welcome to Off the Clock, a podcast by Priscina Wells and Woodland, where we take a team-centered, family-focused approach to serving the estate planning and elder law needs of our community on the Eastern Shore. I'm Marie Chin, and I'm joined today by one of our attorneys, Amber Woodland. We are excited to discuss probate, so let's get started. Hi, Amber. Hey, Marie. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) So today we're talking about probate, and that's a legal term we throw out there a lot. Um, So as a starting place, can we make sure all our listeners understand what that means?
1: Yeah, I think we throw around the word probate and we kind of take for granted that everyone does know what that term means. And a lot of people really don't understand what is probate. And I just think probate is the term used for a legal process. That's the best way to describe what probate means. And so it's a legal process that happens when a person passes away. It's typically handled by the executor or the administrator of the estate. And it is a deadline-driven public process that happens with the local register of wills and in Delaware Court of Chancery. So it's statutorily driven. So there's a whole set of Delaware statutes that guide the personal representative, a.k.a., executor and administrator through this very public and deadline driven process
0: when is probate needed
1: so this is one of those getcha things and i always think especially about people who move to delaware and they're thinking do i need to have my estate plan reviewed in all likelihood you probably do need to have your estate plan reviewed maybe not just because you're now a delaware resident but because probate is probably going to get you if you don't plan for it So in Delaware, probate has a very, very low threshold. So to say it kind of just generally, if a person dies as a resident of the state of Delaware and they own real estate in their individual name, or they have more than $30,000 of other assets that have no joint owner and no beneficiary designated, then they have a probate estate. So our threshold's super low in the state of Delaware real estate or $30,000. So it's a getcha because most people have to worry about probate and planning for maybe how to avoid probate. That's not really the topic of the podcast today. We really want people to understand what is probate and why might you want to avoid it. And if you haven't done planning to avoid it, what can your administrator or executor
0: expect
1: upon death?
0: So who oversees the probate process?
1: So the Register of Wills office is that function to oversee the entire process and to approve what's filed as part of probate. So we're going to walk through the steps of probate, but really it's the Register of Wills in the county where the decedent was a resident at the time of death. So if a person is a resident of Sussex County, They die individually owning real estate or more than $30,000 that becomes part of their estate. It's going to be the Sussex County Register of Wills office that will oversee the probate process. The nice part about hiring an attorney to represent an executor or an administrator in probate is that that relieves the personal representative from having to personally appear at the Register of Will's office. So in this case, Sussex County would be Georgetown or Kent County would be Dover or Newcastle County would be Wilmington. That's a huge convenience for the personal representative because otherwise there are at least two to three times during the probate process where the the personal representative would have to actually go to the Register of Will's office as part of that procedural aspect to probate.
0: You mentioned a personal representative Mm -hmm. or executor. So who is able to represent an estate and how is that person appointed?
1: All right, so yeah, this is a really good question a really good distinction because a lot of these terms are sort of synonymous. So I always explain it like this. A personal representative is the overarching term. This is the person representing an estate. Then there are two types of personal representatives. There's an executor or there's an administrator. So when a person dies with a will that nominates a personal representative, that's the executor. If a person dies without a valid will, then the personal representative is called an administrator. I will try during this episode to use personal representative as much as possible because that really is like the general overarching term. But just so everybody understands, it's more specifically the executor when there is a will, or it's the administrator when there isn't a will. And a lot of questions come up, like if there's not a will, then who can act? Well, there's statutorily a set order of priority for who's allowed to ask the Register of Will's office to, to be appointed. And sometimes it's logical. So it's spouse, if not spouse, then kids, if not kids, then siblings or, you know, but this is my little like, shameless plug for l- making sure our listeners understand it's never ideal to have no plan. You need to have at least a will where you have nominated someone to serve as
0: your executor upon your death rather than it just falling to the statute by default. Can you walk us through the personal representative's responsibilities? Mm-hmm. How do you get the probate process started?
1: Yeah, so very first step, I would say, the personal representative is responsible for obtaining the original death certificate of the decedent and locating the original will, if there is one. And I said original twice there. Original death certificate and original will. Super important. And I would say that's the very first step of the personal representative. Having those two original documents gives the personal representative what they need to then start the process or start working on and through a pretty long list of responsibilities. And so once we have the original will, if there is one, and the original death certificate, those two documents get filed with the Register of Will's Office along with a pretty comprehensive set of what we call opening documents. So within the set of opening documents, it's called a petition and a rule 190 application and affidavit and all kinds of other information that's laid out to the register of wills. But the purpose of the opening documents is to essentially say to the register of wills office, this person has died, this person wishes to be appointed, here is a will or there is no will, and here's what we expect to be part of the estate, and here are the next of kin. That is filed with the Register of Will's Office, and then usually within, I'd say, I don't know, you probably know better than I would, but like 10 to 14 days, the Register of Will's Office has reviewed those opening documents, the will if there is one in the death certificate, and then officially opens the estate. When the estate is then opened, the register of wills office issues a formal document. And this formal document has lots of names. I have always called it the golden ticket because early in my career, there was an official raised gold seal on this document that my clients could then use to prove to banks and realtors and attorneys and accountants that they had been officially appointed and could now act as the administrator or the executor of the estate. Now, there's not a raised gold seal on all of these documents, so I call it, still call it the golden ticket, but essentially they are called short certificates or letters, and it's just a formal document signed by the Register of Wills Office saying, estate's been opened and this person has been appointed to represent the estate as the personal representative. And then, immediately, the Register of Wills Office puts this opening of the estate on public notice. It's kind of a blast out there. It's on the Register of Will's website. There's a notice posted in a local newspaper that an estate has been opened for this particular decedent. And the purpose of that is to allow creditors, anybody that's owed money by this decedent to come forward and say to the personal representative, hey, I'm owed money. And the reality is, is that creditors only have eight months from a decedent's state of death to come forward and file a valid claim. So it's important that we put them on notice. And so the register of wills really facilitates that all as part of the opening document process.
0: So once the personal representative has that golden ticket, what is the next step? What do they do from there?
1: So I'd say next most important step is determining what the assets are and valuing the assets. So Couple examples, you know, practical examples, the executor is going to go to the bank and close any of the decedent's individually individually owned bank accounts. So the bank is going to close the account, issue a check payable to the decedent's estate, and that's what the personal representative is then going to use to open the estate bank account. Besides bank accounts, the personal representative is also going to be responsible for valuing real estate, having appraisals done to make sure there's a good date of death valuation for any real estate. We're gonna look to see if there's any other financial accounts that have beneficiaries on them possibly or don't have beneficiaries. So like life insurance or retirement plans or brokerage accounts. And so really I would say number one job of the personal representative is determining the assets, determining how they're owned and determining what the value is that then guides the personal representative from there on what really has to be done to wrap up the decedent's affairs.
0: Once they have figured out what all of those assets are, how do you then close out the estate? What's the next step there? So I think if you don't mind, let's talk about Inventorying, formally
1: inventorying the assets, and then I'll go right into then closing. So, Register of Wills, one thing, one thing people are surprised to learn about probate is that not only is the personal representative responsible for determining the assets and the value, but then they have to put that on a publicly filed seven page inventory that gets filed with the Register of Wills office. And that seems pretty invasive. <laughs> But the Register of Wills uses that inventory like a snapshot to say, here's our starting point for the estate. There were these cash accounts. There were these parcels of real estate. There were these stocks and bonds. There were these vehicles. There were these joint accounts, whatever it may be. And that's really what's going to establish for the Register of Wills office the starting point to then allow the personal representative to close the estate. So Once we've gotten the golden ticket, determined the assets, filed the inventory, put creditors on notice for eight months, then the register of wills will typically in most estates allow for the estate to be closed. And what we're looking for with an estate closure is approval by the register of wills and by the court of Chancery that everything is on the up and up. Everything has been reported properly. And so the personal representative is really gonna show everything that's come into the estate and everything that's been paid out of the estate in order to close it. And the closing of an estate is really reconciled on what the Register of Wills office calls a first and final accounting. So this accounting takes the snapshot from the inventory adds in anything else that's come into the estate and then backs out anything that's been paid by the personal representative. So legal fees, tax preparation, appraisals, medical bills, house-related expenses, funeral bills to get us to a net estate. And then here's here's the part about probate that a lot of people don't like and why they want to avoid probate. Maybe it's not the publicity of it. Maybe it's not the deadline-driven process, it's the fee so the county takes 1.25 percent in sussex county of the net estate in kent county it's 1.75 percent and in newcastle it's two percent and so this fee gets paid by the personal representative to the county before the estate can be closed and so it's an expense right off the top just like anything else so after that happens, and after we get the stamp of approval that everything's been paid, the probate fee has been paid, and the estate has been closed, that's really the first time where the personal representative wants to consider all right, are we ready to make distributions? And all this time, it really is wise for the personal representative to communicate with the beneficiaries, but I kind of tell my beneficiaries hold your horses. My personal representative has to get through this process before we're going to be ready to make distributions and one of the things that sometimes holds up distributions are tax preparation you know depending on when the decedent died we might have to wait until we're ready to file taxes at that next
0: tax season so sometimes that can hold up distributions sounds like probate is quite a process with a lot of tasks that have to be completed (laughs) that's for sure sounds pretty overwhelming yeah So can you talk about the benefit of working with an attorney through that process? Yeah. I mean, so of course I am an attorney.
1: So I see the value in hiring an attorney anytime there's a need for legal services. And instead of trying to navigate this process yourself, we always encourage personal representatives to at least have a consultation with an attorney. So if the estate plan was drafted by an attorney, then you might want to start with that attorney to say, hey, you drafted a will, or in some cases a trust for this decedent, can you help guide me through this process? When there's not been an estate plan prepared or there's not already an attorney involved, you need to find the right attorney for the job. You know, we this probate work is one of our main areas of practice. And so every day, all day, and you know this better than I do, you know, we're in the trenches, we're dealing directly with our personal representatives, our beneficiaries and the local register of wills offices to facilitate the probate process. So I just I think that hiring an attorney helps make sure that you're not falling into any gaps or missing any blind spots. And it offers a level of convenience, because you can rely on a team that has done this many, many times before. And it might be your first time. So they can really help hold your hand and guide you through a process that at least is going to take eight months from date of death and usually takes closer to about a year post death. Um, Something else we do for our personal representatives is we handle, of course, if the client wants us to, communication with the beneficiaries. And so a lot of our personal representatives appreciate that too. We're at the very beginning saying, Hey, you're a beneficiary. Here's what you can expect through this process and communication is key. So the better, the better you can communicate with everyone involved from the
0: outset, the easier and smoother the transaction is going to be through the process. Can you briefly touch on probate avoidance, how clients can avoid probate?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of avoiding probate. If you can't tell already, we have entire episodes dedicated to avoiding probate. And so if you want more information about that, of course, look to our other episodes. But in a nutshell, if we can prevent real estate or individually owned assets exceeding $30,000 from funneling through an estate then we can avoid probate, and the tool that we use to do that is instead of using a simple will, we use a revocable living trust, and a revocable trust is a similar tool to a will. A revocable trust says, here's who I want to be in charge when I die, and here's who I want to receive the assets I have left after the administration of my affairs, but the benefit to using a trust over a will is the trust is living. So if the trust owns the bank accounts and the trust has the life insurance and the trust has the real estate, then when we, as people have died, we don't have real estate or more than $30,000 funneling through our will and our estate because it's still in the trust and the trust is still living and the trust is still owning those assets. So there's not been a death of the owner of those assets. And that's kind of the magic wand behind, oh... We don't have anything that has to funnel through the estate, therefore we can avoid probate. And I would say nine and a half times out of 10, when our clients come to us to do their estate plan, they're utilizing a revocable trust over just using a simple will once they understand all that goes into probate. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, people do estate planning usually for one reason, and that's to take care of the people that they love. And if they can do work now, to save their loved ones from having to do a bunch of work later, most of our clients jump on board with that. And if you're, if you're a dollars and cents person, I often encourage you too, to just, just apply that up to 2% on the value of your assets and consider, that could be a big number, and you might end up spending less doing good estate planning to avoid
0: probate than what would be spent
1: someday to actually probate your
0: estate. Can you share any other final thoughts you have on probate and what a family should do if they think a probate estate is needed? Yeah. I mean, I think my first
1: thought is set your family up for success. Make sure that if you have assets, that there is a clear and concise list of your assets so that we're not searching for needles and haystacks when you die. If After death, a family thinks that, oh, I think I'm in a probate situation here. I recommend they consult with an attorney. Starting point could also be by contacting the Register of Will's office. But what the Register of Will's office is typically going to do is schedule an appointment for an initial meeting. I don't know how much they're going to be willing to give out in terms of information just from the outset. But I will say Register of Wills website has a lot of really good information on it. There's a handbook and a guideline right on their website for a family member who might be serving as the personal representative of an estate, but you know, I we we do this education really so that the community understands that without good planning probate's going to be required and my last thought about probate is this, and I think this is a big, big trap. Married couples don't think that they have to worry about probate. And I see this all the time. Married couples think, I don't have to worry about probate because my spouse's name is joint on all of my assets, or I have my my spouse named as the beneficiary on my retirement plan and my life insurance policy. And while it may be true that probate in most married couple cases isn't required at the first spouse's death, I want you to stop and consider what will happen after the second spouse passes away. And in that case, probate is typically required. So single person's Obviously, real estate, more than $30,000 probate would be required. But if you're married, consider doing good estate planning together so that there's no probate at the first death, and then there's also no probate at the second death. And if I could shout that from the rooftops, I would, because I just find a lot of married couples kind of fall trap into, we don't need to do anything because everything's our names are already on everything. And then surviving wife. For instance, thinks, well, it was super simple when my husband died. I really didn't need to do anything. And she presumes it's going to be the same way when she dies. And then her kids are in for a big surprise when they realize they have to go through a
0: formal year long probate process. That is all I have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for being with us today on Off the Clock. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at pwwlaw.com. Of course, you can contact us directly by calling 302-628-4140 or emailing info at pwwlaw.com. We're here to help you plan today to protect your families tomorrow. See you next time. Anything discussed on Off the Clock is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. To obtain the most reliable guidance, listeners are encouraged to seek personalized advice from qualified professionals.